Am I live, Chase? Come on. What? All right. <laughs> I asked him if I was alive, meaning is my mic on. Thank you, Kim. I got some good news, and I've got some bad news. The bad news is I'm not Kyle. But the good news is no matter how well I do today, y'all can't fire me. So that's good news. Let me open this up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. Thank you for the Word of God and giving us a place to go to always find the truth. So Father, as today as I speak, open up our hearts, open up our minds, to the message that you want heard. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Our coming king, this is inspired by Pastor S.D. Lockridge. He's the king of Jews, king of Israel, king of all the ages, king of heaven, king of glory, king of kings, and lord of lords. Do you know him really? He's a prophet before Moses, a priest after Melchizedek, a champion like Joshua, an offering in the place of Isaac, a king from the line of David, a wise counselor above Solomon, a beloved, rejected, exalted son like Joseph, and yet far more. The heavens declare his glory, and the firmament shows his handiwork, he who is, who was, and who will always be, the first and the last. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the A and the Z. He is the first fruits of them that slept. He is the I am that I am, the voice of the burning bush. He is the captain of the Lord's host, the conqueror of Jericho. He is enduringly strong, entirely sincere, internally steadfast. He is immortally graceful, imperially powerful, and partially merciful. In Him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, the very God of very God. He is our kinsman redeemer. He is our avenger of blood. He is our city of refuge, our performing high priest, our personal prophet, and our reigning king. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of theology. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism. He is the miracle of the ages, the superlative of everything good. We are the beneficiaries of a love letter. It was written in his blood on a wooden cross 2,000 plus years ago. He was crucified on a cross of wood, yet he's the one, he's, he made the hill on which it stood. What held him to the cross? Was it, his was it the nails? No. It was his love for you and for me. He was born of a woman so that we could be born of God. He humbled himself so that we could be lifted up. He became a servant so that we could be made co-heirs. He suffered rejection so that we could be become his friends. He denied himself so that we could freely receive all things. 
He gave himself so that he could bless us in every way. He is available to the tempted. He blesses the young. He cleanses the lepers. He defends the feeble. He delivers the captives. He discharges the debtors. He forgives the sinners. Amen? He franchises the meek. He guards the besieged. He heals the sick. He provides strength to the weak. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. He serves the unfortunate. He sympathizes and he saves. His offices are manifold. His reign is righteous. His promises are sure. His goodness is limitless. His light is matchless. His grace is sufficient. His love never changes. His mercy is everlasting. His word is enough. His yoke is easy. And his burden is light. He is indescribable, incomprehensible. He's irresistible. He's invincible. The heavens of heavens cannot contain him. Man cannot explain him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him and learn they couldn't stop him. He's always been and always will be. He had no predecessors and will have no successors. You can't impeach him and he isn't going to resign. His name is above every name that at the name of Yeshua every knee shall bow Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. His kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Before us, during us, and after us, has always been and will be about Jesus Christ. But do you believe that? Does your life show that? Whether you believe that or not doesn't change the outcome of who Jesus is. It just changes the outcome of who you are. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not some but all. You see, church, the battle has already been won through Jesus. But the battle is not over. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a, like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now that's a common scripture that everyone in here is probably familiar with. But do you believe it? As long as the devil is roaring around looking out or looking for someone to devour then there's still a battle to be fought. If you're living in the same world that I'm living in, 
and you don't feel like you're in a battle of some sort, then it's because you're not in the fight. The church isn't failing, folks, because that would be saying that Jesus Christ is failing, and Jesus Christ cannot and will not fail. But to say those who represent the true church of Jesus Christ is declining is a much more accurate statement. So let's go to the Word of God. We're going to remind ourselves of three things. Who we were, who we are now, and why we are here. So if you want to follow me to Ephesians, maybe, chapter 2, I'm just going to stay right there on 1 through 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires in the body of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Now I could go to each individual in this church. And every one of you could make a count for verse 1 through 3 at some point in your life. You were there at some point. And if you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that is still you. There's this young man who was raised in a church knew the gospel, knew right from wrong, backslidden from age 14 to roughly 30, was getting drunk at a young age, filth coming out of his mouth with no regard with who heard it, having sex outside of marriage with multiple women, found himself having two children outside of marriage. Rarely, if ever, considering what God thought. And you can imagine that list goes on from there. But one day, because his nan and pop were faithful to the Lord and to his kids, even though dad wasn't, this little two-year-old girl named Harlow come to the dinner table and prayed for the food. Just one little prayer. One. Not some eye-opening words of prayer. Just thank you God for the food. That's all it took. It was like a dagger to my heart. You see, folks, God on that day was looking down at me, because I'm sure you figured out by now it's me. <laughs> I forgot to mention that in here, but, it, you know, I mentioned Harlow. That probably gave it away. 
But on that day, God was looking down at me saying, Son, the battle has already been won. But you're not in the fight. God took everything that I was ashamed of, embarrassed by, and used it for His glory, not mine. The difference is, is you got to be willing to get up and dust yourself off and get in the fight. You see, I was trapped in verse 1 through 3. For a long time. But let's keep reading. Same there. Stay there. Ephesians 2. Chapter 4. Or verse 4. Chapter 2 verse 4. But God. But God. Being rich in mercy. Because of the great love which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Amen. Hallelujah. For verse 4 through 10. That's the good part. That's the part we like to read. That's the part where we can lift up our hands and lift up our head and say, thank you, Jesus. But if you look at verses 4 through 10, take a look at it. It says, because he loved us with Christ, raised us up with him, seated with him in Christ Jesus. He might show in Christ Jesus, gift of God, his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We are who we are now, not because I deserve it, not because you deserve it. No one is righteous, not even one. We are who we are because of Him. God, who sent His one and only Son to die on a cross and raise on the third day, not because we deserve it, not because we can earn it, but so in the coming ages, He can show His riches, His grace, toward us because he loves us. He loves us. But do you love him? Do you? Somebody, amen. Thank you. So let me ask you a question. Since you love Christ. When's the last time you mentioned to anyone else who you are in Christ? So since we're reminded of what we used to be, 
verse 1 through 3, who we are now, verse 4 to the end, well, why are we here? Matthew, chapter 16. If I knew what I was doing, I'd had this marked. Verse 24 through 26. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever, who, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? I love the scripture. Here's why. You ever watch sports on TV? I'm just going to assume most of us probably has at some point. Maybe it's a baseball game, basketball, or a football game, basketball game, any kind of sport. I think it's hilarious. The people that are watching along with you, they watch a batter take a strike three. That's the first thing they say. Why well, ain't swing at that one? Or maybe you're watching football. Mind you, we got this big screen. We can see the whole entire field, right? And there's that wide receiver wide open. Quarterback never even throws in the ball, completely misses it. What do we say? Why didn't he throw it to the guy that was open? Maybe it's basketball. A guy down by the goal, he's wide open. The guy's dribbling down the court. What's he do? He shoots and misses, and the guy was wide open. What do we say? Why didn't he pass it to the guy that was open under the goal? And they're sitting there criticizing the players on the team for making a mistake. Last time I checked, at least they were in the game. As Christians, we're going to make a lot of mistakes. But are you in the game? Or are you one of those sitting on the sideline criticizing the ones who, criticizing the ones who are? In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, pick up your cross. Not moms, not dads, not grandmas, not grandpas, not best friends, not pastors, not Sunday school teachers, but your cross. You got to pick up your own cross and follow him. Man, but it's a lot easier to jump on somebody else's. I know, folks, I've been there. How much easier would it be to just get on somebody else's cross or so you could carry it together? Because guess what? I'm going to tell you, carrying your own cross is hard. It's not easy. But God commanded it. Let's check out one more verse. I'm going to go to James. 
Chapter 1, 22 through 25. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Several years ago, me and Hannah were having a rummage sale at our house. For those of you who don't know her, she works for Marion County Sheriff's Department. We had a man come to this rummage cell. One, you know, one of them rough dudes. Muscular, intimidating, loud, in trouble with the law, on drugs, and he wants to buy something in a rummage cell. So naturally, my uh, Hannah says, why don't you go deal with this guy? Which I get it. You know, they don't want any conflict with her job and somebody else. So I go talk to Ricky, and I don't know, you know me, we probably talk for a long time, because I talk to anybody. Uh, if a tree had a mouth, I'd sit there and talk to the bark, I'm telling you right now. However, Ricky, we talked, and guess what? He liked me, and I like him. You know what he said to me one time? He said, you know what I like about you, Joshua? This is a big deal coming from him. I was like, what's that, Ricky? He said, you're the only one that's ever treated me normal. And I said, well, Ricky, you've never gave me a reason not to. So later on down the road, Hannah and the kids were out of town. Ricky pulls into my driveway at midnight. Not unusual to see Ricky out at midnight, but very unusual to see Ricky in my driveway at midnight. Mind you, I had been reading my Bible before he had got there, and it was sitting on the arm of my couch. So I go outside to address Ricky, and he's bawling. Big old mean, tough Ricky, tears just rolling down his face. I said, come on, well, come on in, Ricky. So he comes in, he doesn't even sit in a chair, he lays on the floor and cries. And starts to tell me about all the things in his life that were just not going right. Now mind you, my Bible still sitting there on the arm of that couch. So I'm looking at the Bible. I'm looking at Ricky. And I'm looking at the Bible. And I'm looking at Ricky. And will you have it? Ricky makes it out of my house. No Jesus. No scripture. Nothing. He left the same way he come. Other than a little bit of maybe his moral support from me. Fast forward. About a week later or so. I'm out back hunting in a, on my property and I get a text message from Hannah. This text message says, I'm sorry, Ricky was killed in a motorcycle accident last night. You see folks, I knew what the word said. 
I knew what my responsibility was. But I was a hearer of the word. And I skipped the doer part. If you're sitting here Sunday after Sunday, soaking it all in, and you're not acting on it and or applying it, what have you accomplished? A retired pastor, very, very godly man, most of you know him, but I won't mention his name just in case. He's been preaching longer than I've been alive. I'm, I think I'm 36. He said something to me a few Sundays ago, and it stopped me in my tracks. He said, boy, I went to church today. <laughs> I started giggling. And I was like, yeah, I know. I mean, I was here too. And he said, no. He said, I'm always at church, but I'm not always here. I was like, wow. Isn't that so true? Isn't it amazing how sometimes just hearing it is all we do and not applying it? And if we don't apply it, how easy it is to forget it? Like seeing your face in a mirror and then turning around and forgetting what you look like? What good is it if you know it and you don't share it? It's not enough to just know it, guys. So who's your Ricky? Everybody in here has a Ricky. It's either a close relative, personal friend, somebody you met on the street, somebody God put on your heart, but everybody in here has a Ricky. You know, when Kyle asked me to fill in, I almost said no. I wanted to say no. But that would be me not picking up my cross and following Christ. And if you're just a hearer of the word and not a hearer and a doer of the word, then you're just deceiving yourself. Do we honestly believe that we can hear God's word and not act upon it and call that belief? If you went to the bank tomorrow and you noticed, you got a bank statement and you noticed there was a thousand dollars missing out of your account that was unaccounted for, I'd be willing to bet you there'd be some pretty strong action being taken and followed up upon immediately after finding that out. Why? Because anytime there is a strong belief, there is an action that follows it. 
every time there will be an actual action that follows belief. I hope, I hope this is sinking in, guys, because I know it did for me. Let me put it this way. You see, if you and your family were in a house, I'm just going to use me and my family. If me and my family are in a house, and this house catches on fire, would you whisper, Or would you scream, fire! Fire! You know, would you not only scream fire, I guarantee you, I know I'd be grabbing my kids by their shirt, pants, whatever I got to do to either get them out a window or get them out the door. Why? Because it's a matter of life and death. If I don't get them out of the house, they're going to die. If I don't get myself out of the house, then I'm going to die. So what's the point, Josh? Here's the point. I'm telling you guys this because there's a world out there on fire. And people are stepping all around in the fire. Some of us are screaming fire. And a lot of us are just whispering. You know what the worst part about whisper is? Most people can't hear it. So you might as well not even whisper. Matter of fact, you, I would just scream or be quiet. There's still time left. You're still here. You're still breathing, which means we can still have an opportunity to serve. Not a preacher, folks. Not even close. I love the Lord. I want to serve Him, even though I don't deserve Him, even though I've done nothing to deserve the salvation offered in Jesus Christ. He's still made a way for us to have it. And I'm up standing here today because I got tired of whispering. So what's your identity? Do you believe? Truly believe? Or is it a surface belief? Are you stepping over the cross on a daily basis or are you wearing it? Are you... A hearer and a doer of the word? Or are you just a hearer? We can fake a lot of things in this world. We can fake a lot of things. The world has proven that. But you will never, ever, ever fool God. God knows the heart of a man. So, before I close, 
I want to give you some encouragement. Uh, we are currently in an I Am Second series at the church that I attend, and it's all about testimony. It's all about testimony. It's all about letting other people know what Christ has done in you and sharing it with them. And the way that sets up is we go over the, God's Word, we watch a video. Well, let me, I went that, said that backwards. We watch the video first. Okay, it's about somebody's testimony. Then we go through the Word of God. And then at the end of that, there's a live and tell section, portion. And basically, we hold each other accountable in this group that we're going to send either the video or the scripture to an individual. And we write it down, what time you're going to do it, what day you're going to do it, and we pray for each other. And hoping that the message will get across to whoever it is we're sending it to. Some people, you see, it gets harder as you go. Because we all got that one person that we're comfortable with. You all know who I'm talking about. That one person it's easy to pass off that responsibility on. Oh, I'll just give it to that person. They've heard me before. And then, and then after a while, those people start to run out. And then God starts putting your, into your heart who he wants you to pursue. So, as a word of encouragement for you guys. This is a person, I won't mention his name, who is far from God. And used to not be, but he got damaged by the church. And it was very difficult for me to send this to him, because I'll be honest, in fear of what he would say. So I send him this I am second video. Hey, blank, you have been on my heart for some time. This is me talking to him. I know we all go through things that don't make sense and get hurt by things that shouldn't hurt us, but I just want you to know there are others and God's intention is not for anyone to turn away from him. He can heal the pain. Just saw this video last night and thought it was interesting. Hope you'll watch it. If you ever want to talk, let me know. I, keep, I can keep it private. He said, I will. I said, thank you. Thank you. Here's his next response. Thank you for never giving up on me. I know people have in the past. And yes, I would love to talk sometime. People want to hear the message. They want to hear it. But someone has to be the mailman. We don't write the mail, but it is our responsibilities as Christians to deliver it. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you once again for the opportunity to be here today. Thank you for another beautiful day. I don't want to run on in this prayer. I am thankful for your son, Jesus Christ. I am thankful that I was once dead in the trespasses and sin. And because of Christ, you made us alive in him. Thank you for that, Father. 
Father God, I pray that if anybody here today is battling something in their life, or maybe I spoke to directly, the Holy Spirit spoke directly to their heart today, I pray that you will put it on their heart to come down here and lay it at your feet. I just ask that you bless everybody in this congregation throughout this week and bless this church, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.